Welcome to today's shear, first panorama of halacha shear for Tofshin Pei Dalad, year five seven eight four. This is being pre-recorded. Uh, it's Thursday. Today is Parsha uh, Sazino. It's Vov Tishri, which is the yurt site of the Rebbe Tzimchana, the mother of our Rebbe. And she passed away in on this date in Tafshin Chafei in 1964. Now, today's shear is dedicated by Mr. and Mrs. Pinchas Rabin in the merit of Rafur Shlema for his brother, Chaim Shmuel Mendel Ben Chanarezel, and also in celebration for the Schus, a merit of newly born grandson, born Chayel, I believe, David Schleimer, born to their son, Menachem Mendel. So, wishing before Schleimer to Mr. Michael Rabin and Mazeltov for the birth of the grandson, David Schleimer, grow to be a Chas Yerushim Lots of nachas to his parents and grandparents in good health and wish everyone a good Now, the Rebbe Tzunchana, the mother of the Rebbe, had a very special merit that when her husband, Rebbe Levik, Rebbe Yitzchok, was a Robin Yekaterinoslav, now Dnepe Petrovsk, he was arrested and exiled, and she persevered to be able to locate where he was and to get permission to move out to this mud village where he had been exiled to. She brought with her a few precious sforim, which her husband would be able to use, and Amongst them, a, a, a Tanya and three volume set of Zohar and some other fuse for him. Subsequently, she managed to also entrust them to someone and they were brought out of Russia in the early 60s, I believe, or even earlier. Oh, I remember now the detail. And then the Rebbevik in his exile, he had he didn't have whom to talk to. All his he had phenomenal, phenomenal mind, as you can see, you'll see in a moment, just one and he would jot down these ideas on the margins of his forum. In the mud village where they were, Chile, there wasn't even uh, there wasn't even ink available to buy. And so the Rebbe found ways of producing ink from herbs and berries. And you, when you go to the Rebbe's library, you can see on display an open volume of the Zohar, which is Rebbevik Zohar, which he had in his exile. And it has mod, um, notes on the margin in different colors, in red, in, in uh, green, whatever, maybe different colors, because that's what was available at the time, what his, his Rebbetson had managed to concoct and he was able to transcribe his thoughts. Once these brought to America, they were 
the, the comments were copied and processed and printed in the volumes of Torah Levi Yitzchak, one volume, and three volumes of Lekuta Levi Yitzchak, which also include the, Lekut, the one volume includes letters which Rebbe had sent to his son to the Rebbe, also full, full of these uh, brilliant thoughts and mostly in Kabbalah, in brilliant gematria kind of stuff. And so these were the Rebbe after then, at every Shabbos, whatever for bringing, in addition to talking about the Rashi, which the launch of the Rashi Sikhas was actually that year when his mother passed away, he started a Seder of making, uh, explain, explaining one Rashi or more per week, whenever there was a Fabring in that Shabbos. But then also the Rebbe started explaining thoughts, either of his father or on the Zohar, if his father hadn't explained something, but it, is, it was based upon the Lakuta Levi Yitzchak. So, not the, not the typical way of learning, but you can see, we'll, we'll see uh, just one snippet of Rebbe Levi's comment on the Mahza, being that it's the yard site of Rebbe Zinchana, I'd like to just share this with you, if someone brought it to my attention. So, in the al Khait, now, I want to comment before going to the actual comment here of the Reblevik that in two play other places, Reblevik writes, he mentions his Rashima on al -Khait. So he had written on Rashima, one place he explains why the Aleph base in al is a double Aleph base. Another comment elsewhere, unfortunately, his Rashima on al we did not, we, we do not have. He wrote an enormous amount and a lot of it was lost. Dafka, the stuff which was exiled with him, that's the stuff which somehow managed to survive. Which is ironic. So on the in the Al Khait, we oh the other word was why Al Khait is broken up into ten letters, then to six and to another six. And he talks about the idea of Yomim Oy Oso, where you have uh, with Lovon, with Basuel and Rivka. So you have the 10 and the 12, and how the osius of the Aleph base, if you remember in uh, the night of Shavuos, at the end of Tikkun, we read we read a piece from, from uh, Sefer Yetzira. And there it mentions, goes through the letters of the Aleph base, and it has first 10 letters. Aleph Memshin are called Roshim. Then we've got the seven letters, Begad Kafras. They, besides the Reish, they are the letters which can double up, can be either base or vase, pay and fe, etc. Begad Kafras. And then you've got the other 12 letters. So you've got the Chof base letters. 22 letters of the Aleph base are divided into 10, uh, corresponding to 10 spheres, and then the 12 corresponding to the 12 months of the year. And so the al is also consists of, of 10 letters, corresponding to Emesh, Gad Kafras. And then you have the 12 letters, which correspond to the 12 months, etc. The 12 months are uh, naturally divided into two groups of six and six, because you've got summer and winter. You've got the six months when of the zodiac, where it's above the, the, um, the equator, and six months when it's below the equator. So... So the, there's the that's why the al is divided into ten, six, and six. That's that, but that's in that comment he says, as I've discussed in the Mayurishima at length uh, about al which, as I said, we do not have. Here 
he mentions that in Al-Khait, we have the three 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 points where we uh, interject. So we've got those three words. Slicha means to forgive. Um, pardon. I don't know what the difference between forgiveness and pardon is in English. And uh, then we have kapora, atonement. So these are all different levels of erasing a wrong. Okay. Those three words, slach, mechal, kaper, well, the Rosha Tavis of those three words is samach. Yeah, we have a letter samach in the Alphabet. Samach, he, expl- he, he doesn't explain, he says that samach relates to a level of bino ilo, the level of bino. And he gives us a reference in the Zoyhar, in Truma Dafkov Chavzayin, which I did not look up. Then he goes on to say the following. The three words, slach, mechal, kaper. Work out the gematria of those three words. So slach equals 98, mechal is 78, kaper is 300. The total is 476. So remember that. Slach, mechal, kaper is 476. Then he connect, he compares this to the word eye, one of the seven names of Hashem, eye, Hashem, eye. And he says, well, area on its own is Gematri 21. Then you have Milui. As you know, there's a way of, well, Aleph is spelled Aleph Lamed Pei. Aleph Lamed Pei is Gematri 111. Yud is spelled Yud Vov Dalet, and therefore that's 20. Then you've got, in the name area, you've got two He's. Here we have a variety of way of, of spelling a He. Is it spelled He Aleph? Is it spelled hey hey or hey yud? If you would spell the hey's with an aleph, so then it would be 111 plus 20 is 131, and then you'd have another six and six, so that will bring us to 143. That's kufbem gimel. If you spell the hey's hey hey, then you add another eight, and therefore you bring you to 151 kufnun aleph. If you'd spell the Hayes Hey Yud, so then the total Milui would be 161 Kufsamach Aleph. Take 21, 151, 143, 161, add them up, you have 476 exactly. So what is said here so far is Slach and Kaper in its four forms. The name Eye, Yodua, that that is also related to Bino Ilah. So now he said that the three words, Slach Machal Kaper, the abbreviation is Samach, that relates to Bino Ilah. The three words, the gematria of the three words is 476, which is the same gematria as Eye in the full uh, Milui, in the, uh, together, all the Milui, and therefore, and that's also related to Bino Ilah. Very good. Okay, that's slach mechal kaper. Then those three words, slach mechal kaper, look at the last letters, and they are the letters of the word Rachel. What's the significance of that? Well, he goes on and explains, well, Yom Kippur is the seal, the choysim. You have the, the right, the inscription is on Rosh Hashanah, and 
the um, and the seal is on Yom Kippur. The word chosim, that was saying, The word chosim is four hundred and. 400 and what? 440, 448, 454. Tofnodalt. 454 plus 22 letters. The large letters which relate to Bino Again, Opikabola, that brings us to, again to this number of 476. So the three words, Slach Mechal Kaper, Gematria 476. The Esophe Tavis is, is Rochel. And, well, we'll get to, back to that. And that's got to do with, again, with the 476 in a moment. We'll come to that. Um, slach, and so that brings us to, again, the Chosim with 22 letters brings us to 476. And that relates to Rochel, which is the Esophe Tavis of those three words. And... He says again, Yodua in Kabbalah, that in the Ila, there's the, se- the seal on the level of Rachel. Yom Kippur is atonement on two forms, of Bina and Malpus, and they, these two forms come together. And that's why we have in these three words, Aslach, Machal, Kaper, we've got the Rosh Tevis, got to do with Bina, and the Sofi Tevis have got to do uh, other emas of Rachel, Malchus, because the, the atonement on Yom Kippur is on the two levels of Bina and Malchus. He throws in one more thing that Slach Mechal Kaper 476 is exactly double the word Rochel, which is 238. And he explains that also. Okay, I'm just uh, that's as far as I've, I've digested. Uh, this is just a snippet, and this is so typical of the, the brilliant ideas which Shabbat comes up in Gematris, and this is not just simple Gematris, very much more advanced, kind of with this, with all the combinations with Miluyim, etc., etc. Okay, let's move on. So, on Friday night, the night of Rosh Hashanah, I come home, and my wife tells me that about an hour ago, a woman knocked on the door. She was quite distraught. She had her husband had gone away for Yom Tov to his Rebbe, and she had prepared candles at the table. She had prepared even a Yorkshire candle to light the candles from it. She had forgotten that it's going to be Shabbos. She was all ready for Yom Tov, had forgotten it's also Shabbos. And then, so she sat down on the couch, whatever, relaxed a bit, whatever, and she was planning closer to the meal it looks like in her minute they don't necessarily light the Yom Tov candles at the at the time of Lichtsen, but rather just before the meal. There are such men hogging. And then one of the kids kind of said, oh, it's Shabbos. And it was well after Lichtsen, well after, it was after sunset. And see, she came to my door. I don't know why she thought I would be at home, but perhaps she thought, uh, whatever. She knocked on the door and uh, what could she do? Now, had I been home, and that's why I'm sharing it with you today, because it can happen anywhere. It can happen, you know, and then there's another. You have another few Yom Tov, especially when you've got the combinations of Shabbos and Yom to come together. It's it's so often that these these mix-ups happen. So, the answer is, if it's still Bain Hashmoshes, which it was actually, 
Lichtsinnen was four minutes to seven. And this was about 20, this was 20 to eight. And it was therefore it was still what's called Ben Hashmoshes before three stars are, vi are visible. During that time, it's Suffolk Yom Suffolk Laila. It's and at that time you are allowed to ask a goy to do a melacha if it's if it's needed for a mitzvah. And this what we have in the on the screen is from Simon Reish Samar Gimel. See if you dial of you're passing like the Mogin Avraham. If a woman had forgotten and did not light in time and realized during Ben Ashmoshes, she may instruct a goy to light the candle. And the woman, the Jewish woman, will make the brocha like she covers her eyes and she'll then make a brocha before she benefits from the light. And because I, she's not doing the act of lighting. How can she make a bracha? She's not doing an act. And the answer is because the main mitzvah of Shneir Shabbos is not so much the act of lighting, but it is the usage, the ability to use it. Okay. So this is this is what the Altered Over Paskins, based upon the Morgan Avraham. Yet, he says, only one candle. Because that's the, the core of the mitzvah, not to do more candles, not to do more than one candle. Then, he says, on the other hand, one candle, yes. Aye, there's already other candles, especially nowadays. There are uh, electric lights in the house. So why is it so urgent to, uh, to allow her to light one candle? Through the goy, that is. Because it's so important to women. They're very careful with this brocha on lighting candles. Therefore, it's a tzorich gadol. And as we know, there's a, and I mean, as I said, she was distraught. And women do know that if you miss a Shabbos, there is a, uh, a reminder, a, a knas, to light an extra candle for the, for the rest of the life. So, unfortunately, she did not light in time, and the advice she was given was too late, and it looks like she'll have to add another candle. A couple of points I'd like to say. Number one, um, to be grateful that she did not light on Shabbos, because had she lit the candles and then realized it's Shabbos, it would have been a much bigger issue than having forgotten to light. Number one. Number two, about this mitz, this this minhig of the canals, if you miss one week um, to light another another candle. Now, I, I very I think a very nice thought. We sometimes think of a mitzvah being a one-off. And it's not true. A mitzvah is an, an eternal act. And this is manifested in this meaning of oh you missed once so it's not a one-off miss it's a it's a it's a lifetime miss and therefore you have for your lifetime you're going to be doing an extra candle uh, i've told the story once before in this forum of uh Rabila Pevznal of Ashodim, who complained to the rebbe he has this school a senior school in paris and he invests enormous effort in the fundraising etc etc and there are boys who come in, and after eight years being in the school, they go out and it's no, 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 uh, no dent, no change in their level of Yiddish guy. And he kind of uh, expressed his frustration, the Rebbe. And the Rebbe said to him, I remember him saying that, something on the other words, I should tell you what is written in Tanya that a mitzvah is eternal. An act of a mitzvah. So for those years that they are in the school, whatever they, you achieve then, it's eternal. 
so I'm just coming back to this that uh, the, the here we're seeing in the mini Yisrael of this extra candle that the mitzvah is eternal and obviously the, the, the other side of it is a missing of a mitzvah is also something which is uh, eternal and of course there's tshuva etc but it is it is uh, it's a lifelong issue okay um, so that's what could have been done now truth to be be, be told that the Mishnah Brewer is not keen about this asking a goya making a brach and what the goya lights not because of the is of asking the goya but the there is this complication of you're not doing an act why you make how can you make a brach if you're not doing an act of the mitzvah so he's he doesn't he's not happy with it he was a chassidish woman not not a litvish woman therefore she would follow the altar in any case and many poskim you can see in the piskachuv as many poskim um are are following this sack of asking a guy to light the candle, um, not despite the fact that Mr. Burr has his reservations. One last comment about that is the nusach bracha would be slightly different. Uh, instead of saying le hadlik near Shabbos, it would be al hadlokas hane al hadlokas near Shabbos near Shabbos kodesh. Why? Because the mitzvah which you don't do directly, so you would not say le. It's only when mitzvah you're doing that yourself directly you'd use the nusach. Whatever it may be, uh, but as something which you can doing through someone else, then the nusr is al. Okay, let's move on. Right, <clears throat> we're learning uh, sukkah lulav, and the way it's written in the Shulchan Aruch. This is in Simon Tov Reish Nun Aleph. This is not the way Chabad do, but it is still worth learning about. Yakif derech yomin benianoi mizrach dorem mayrotsov. You bench the lulav and you sway, and whether when you bench lulav or when you're diving, saying halal, and you'll sway in the four directions. What are the four directions? East, then south, then west, and then north. Yeah? So that is moving in clockwise direction. And that he says that's the achilomen. You're moving to your right. On this, on the margin of the Shulchan Aruch, you've got what's called the Bayer Hetev, and then another standard commentary is the Sharitshuk. He refers to a sefer called Lekat Hakemech, who quotes from a sefer Toldus Odom of Reb Shmuel Al Ghazi, who who says that the consent, the consensus. Of the Rabbonim of Italy was in his time that Derech Yomin to the right is actually by going from east to the north to the west to the south, which means anti clockwise. Whereas if you'd go east south, uh, that would be called left. And I was, I was intrigued. I was intrigued of what's how can you say turning clockwise is called left and turning anti-clockwise is called is called turning to the right i was i was i was intrigued now i looked up this decade of kemach i mean I, it was with great effort till i finally managed to find this toldus odom as a, a you could see on the note here a safer be'er avroham who specializes on this whole business of rotating to the right or to the left and he managed to locate uh an earlier very early print, talking about something about 400 years ago, 
of this Sefer Toldos Odom, which is basically historical uh, work. But at the end, there was, in the first print, there was a, a tshuva from this Reb Shmuel Al-Ghazi about rotating to the left or to the right. Now, so here, I've got the Loshan over here. Very, very interesting. When you are facing Mizrach, if you're going to move to the north, so then you're going to move your right. And that's you're going to move to the north. So then, then your 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 right part of your your right has has moved, so to speak. If you'll move to the south, then you'll be moving your left. And in the comment the commentary of this Be'er of Rohom, he wants to say something on the lines that doesn't say. And so imagine you're rotating. So part of your body is like a hinge staying in one place and part of your body is moving. So if you're going to turn to, if you're going to turn um, clockwise, so then your right foot, so to speak, will be stationary and your left foot will be moving to the towards your towards your right that he says that's called derech that's derech uh, smile if you're going to move anti-clockwise so your left foot will be the, the, the hinge saying in one place and your right foot will be taking a step rotating and it will go to your left but it's your right foot which is rotating that's, that's called derech yomen so this is his his idea that as if to say that the, the, the part of your body which makes the move, that's the, 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 the defining whether it's derch yom or derch smile. I was very intrigued by this because I think we once discussed this before, but um, it, I, I, if, I'm, I'm not taking If you want, you can go to the next thing, yeah? But that you have the, the uh, well, where this is relevant for us, we don't shake the lulav in this uh, sequence in any case we do the to the mizrach um uh, and mizrach um and then straight and then up and down then back that's our pr pr result chesed etc but this is uh talks about a full road a full cycle full rotation but where do we have this this is relevant in two places for us one is for all of us the night of shabbos friday night by Luchodoidi, at Luchodoidi, do we turn clockwise or anti-clockwise? And for the Koyhanim, who go up to the Duchan, to the platform in front of the Aron Kodesh, and they say the bracha, and at some stage, whilst we, um, Yisraelim, have got our, eyes, our heads covered and eyes covered, the Koyhanim rotate from being facing the Aron Kodesh to having their face towards the congregation. So there's the question also, which way do they rotate? clockwise or anti-clockwise and more than 20 years ago i read in rabbi zelikson sefer that the rebbe would turn by the by Vasholim, we would turn clockwise and i wrote to him i'm sorry i remember the other way around i remember the rebbe in his place which was the south um southeast corner of the shul and, the, and he would turn towards the orange which is turning to his left 
So he he uh, wrote back to me that originally in the in the yuds the lever would be rotating clockwise derech yomin, and then at some stage around Tovshin Chov base he asked them Elterich Sidim, what was the practice of the Rebbe Rashab? Probably the Friedrich Rebbe being wheelchair bound, it wasn't terribly relevant. So you have to skip a generation, and he was advised that the Rebbe Rashab apparently did the other way, and the Rebbe switched. He started rotating derech to, to um, anti-clockwise. In the Tzimach Tzedek, in Hanukkah, he talks about this whole thing about derech yomin, because there's a whole discussion in Poskim, which way, Minagrinus or Estreich, which way to light the menorah, going from right to left or left to right. He discusses that. Separately, in the Chidusha Mishnais on Yuma, he revisits the same topic, and it's based upon a Mishnah in talking about this discussion of the Kohen Godel, etc. Basically, the Tzimach Tzedek comes the, uh, up with the following. And he says, so what's our question? You're facing Mizrach, and you need to turn to, to face the West. Clockwise or anti-clockwise? He says like this. If you would turn clockwise, which is Derech Yomin, so you're, which, you're going to move your right foot first. You're going to move your right foot backwards. If you turn anti-clockwise, then you're going to move your right foot forwards. So now you have this choice between Derech Yomin backwards or Derech Smoil forwards. And going forwards to the left takes precedence over to going um, to the right but backwards. That's the Sabbath. So it's quite a different explanation to what this uh, Toyldus Odom Rav Shmuel Algazi is saying. But the conclusion is the same of rotating to uh, to your left, which is which is. Um, which is anti-clockwise. What the Koyanim do? Well, I I recall such a, I think we discussed this once that the there's a sefer all about Koyanim by Rav Hendel, about uh, Rav Bigdal Emek on the Shluchim and and he advises there to actually to rotate the Koyanim. It's all for he's a Koyan. He talks about Koyanim to rotate Taka anti-clockwise. Although the Alter Rebbe Shukhanaruch says to rotate clockwise. Which is, seems to be the the more, uh, as the Shukhanar here says, to go east, south, west, north, which is which is clockwise. Okay, let's move on. So, next question is: Someone asks me, he reads stuff on on Shabbos, and sometimes he'll put in a marker, and someone commented to him that you are preparing for after Shabbos. So is that is that is that a legitimate um, challenge or is it is it no no problem? So now we have in Shukhanaruch, this is in Shukhanaruch um Simon Shimem, I believe, yes. Shukhanaruch Sim Shin Mem talks about can you make a mark on the page? 
So you're learning something, you're reading something, and you want to make a mark with your nail. So he says, that's okay. But that's only on hard parchment. But on paper, which is more supple, then you would not be allowed to make a mark with your nail. All right, so there's a discussion here. Is the marking with a nail, is that a permanent marking or not? But it seems to be clear that folding a, a, a page, that would be okay. And this is, I'm reading from the Piscuit Chubbers. He says, it's not a problem to fold a page. And you can even make the fold that the, the, the corner should be kind of pointed to exactly the words which you want to keep track of for after shops. The fact that you're folding, even though the fold will remain, because the, you don't need the fold mark. You just want to have this, in other words, you're not interested in creating a fold in the paper. You're interested in ke keeping track of where this correction or where this comment needs to be uh, remembered. Now, in his notes, the Piscuit Churras, he brings a couple of sources for this sack that you're now to fold the page. And he says, one of the, he gives a reason because it's the Tzorich Mitzvah, because you're learning Torah. And it says, um, you should abstain from seeking your fulfillment of your needs, your desires with them. But here, it's not it's Torah. And therefore, it's not a problem. And he goes a bit further, talking about Shabbos al-Hakona. Personally, I, I'm, I feel it's not even necessary to resort to that, because even if it wasn't a holy book, and you, which you want to keep track of, there's a difference between preparing or preserving something from getting lost. When you put the food in the fridge after the meal, it's not so much you're preparing the food for Sunday, as much as you don't want this food to get spoiled. So you don't want to, you, you, you're kind of protecting from a loss. I've seen also now, I don't remember now where, you have the marshal, um the difference in muksa. You've got click, um, you've got if a hammer is left in the garden and it might get ruined by the rain, you're not allowed to move it because it's the Tzoyachatzmai. But if it's a chair which is out in the rain and you want to bring a plush chair and you want to bring it in, you are allowed to. Ah, you don't need the chair. So you, it's called, you're repairing the chair, they should have a chair next week. No, you're protecting the chair. It shouldn't get ruined. So you're allowed to evacuate stuff that shouldn't get ruined. That's not called preparing. And I'm just seeing this perhaps as a little bit of a stretch, but I see this as putting a bookmark that you want to be able to refer back to that item which you read. I see that you're preserving the information. And I don't see that as therefore sachon. Just one uh, point, which my, uh, a friend of mine who works, was working for years with the Sikhs of the Rebbe, he told me that sometimes the Rebbe would take a, when he had material which he had been reading on Shabbos and there needed to be, corrections, he would fold it and crease it in a very uh, intense way, uh, and that after Shabbos, they could see where where the correction, which they never wanted, that it should be, uh, should be carried out. Okay, so that's about bookmarks. Now, on to a Haoris on, on a period of Rosh Hashanah. Now, you may find, well, you know, we're a bit late, yeah, but there is interesting a couple of points about this piyut eider vohid. Now, in the Rebbe's Horus at the back of the Mahzer, he goes through a whole thing, of, and he discusses this one 
in most Machzorim, this is on Shachris of Rosh Hashanah, it's most Machzorim either first day or second day, and the Rebbe comes to the conclusion that our Minigas is said on both days. Now, it does go in a state of Aleph base, Eder, Aleph base, Gavosoi, Deya, Yosimu, Hitziv, Yoro, Rosham, Zevach, it goes in the state of Aleph base, the whole entire Aleph base. What is not so obvious, it also has a Rosh Tevis of the composer. His name was Shimon Ben Yitzchok. Sheva Meshorim Izuzoi Vyedu Nachalil stands for Shimon Bar Shono Berigel. Then Yoim Savu Chasoif Kehilois stands for Yitzchok, and so on. So it has there an acrostic for the name Shimon Bar Yitzchok. And Chazak Vermatz, we'll see in a moment. And then, the, what's why well, I was I prepared this more to share in, in the in the for the Talmudos to appreciate what's going on here. That we have the themes of Rosh Hashanah, Malchus, Echonis, Shofris. The first three, the response of the congregation, Echolokim Elyon, Hashem Moloch, Melach Hakolores, is the theme of Malchus. The second three is Zechos in the Feres of Zochal and Brisos, the theme of Zichronis, and the third one, third three. Is Svach Bekarnov, Zichrin Trua, Yom Trua, is Shreifris, and then it goes through again uh, the same Malchus, Zichronis, and Shreifris. These are the themes of the 18 stanzas of the um, first 18 stanzas. Is Each one is on the theme of Malchus, Zichronis, and Shreifris. The couple of the last three are Hashem um, Yimloich, is Malchus. That's number 19. Number 20 is Kipokat Shem Zami Zichronis. And the, the 21st is As you may have noticed by now, there's one letter missing in the Aleph base. And after a lot of uh, research, I saw, I saw the obvious, which I saw later in some Machzorim, that the word Kyrias, because it's Kufresh, somehow allows that it has, it stands for the Kuf and for the Resh. Okay. Um, Two points which I wanted to to, to 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 share with you, and well, as I said, here it has a and a second acrostic for the name of Mechaber Shima Bar Yitzchok Chazak Ve'Ematz. That that you can see, but then the last three that brings up to eighteen letters. Shima Bar Yitzchok Chazak Ve'Ematz is eighteen letters. The last three letters. Of the second acrostic is Mem Yud Tov, which I I don't know what 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 he obviously the composer chose that for a reason and I don't know why he chose those three letters. Um, I, is it the word Mossai? I don't know. I I I don't I don't know. I'm, I'm for a little bit frustrated about that. I couldn't find any comment on that. The other thing which I'm going to share with you, by the way, this same Machaber has got another peel, which we say on, on the second day, also Shimon by Yitzchok. And there you have also a reference to the name Elchonon. And, um, but I don't want to go to that now. Let's just come back. Yes, a moment. This we've discussed before, and that is 
the two psukim about Rosh Hashanah. One is Zichra and Truma Kodesh. One is Yom Truma Yigiyalochem. Two different places in the Torah. Do we, when we have in davening and in Kiddush, and it has here Yom Truma Yigiyalochem, Yom Truma Yigiyalochem, and on Shabbos we have Zichron. Is it Yom Zichron Truah or is it just Zichron Truah? The Svorah is it should be Zichron Truah. The more common practice is to say Yom Zichron Truah, whichever way you do, you know, your Talit. Okay, let's move on. Um, so this, this is an uh, unusual question. On many, many Shluchim did Rosh Hashanah in the park. Sorry, Shoifer in the park. And so then, organized and uh, put out, uh, and, and Baruch Hashem, this, this has been an amazing Hatzlocha. People who ne never know are part of the Jewish community turn up and hear Shoifer and you find new faces. Uh, so, in one small town in Holland, so Shliach made a Shoifer in the park. And there was a Russian Jewish, um, Jewish Yid from Russia, very excited. And he comes over to the Shliach and he says, I know you can't take money. I'm sorry, I, I want to, but I want to give you something. And I'm still putting money in your pocket. And he takes the liberty of stuffing 200 euros into the Shliach's pocket. Shliach now doesn't know what to do. He's got money in, in his pocket. Muksu, well, what does he do? Whatever he did, he did. But that doesn't matter. The question is what he should do. So now, here's the issue. On Rosh, oh sorry, on Yom Tov. This is, um, this is on Sunday, yeah? Yom Tov. You are allowed to carry stuff which you'll use on Yom Tov. You're not allowed to carry stuff which you cannot use on Yom Tov, which you don't, not on cannot, which you don't intend to use on Yom Tov. So to carry stuff, which, so to carry money in your pocket. I'm not worried about the muksa because he's not touching the stuff. But he's walking from the park to his house, and so then he's carrying from if the park has got a four once fence around it, etc. So you're not allowed to carry stuff which you're not which you're not going to use on Yom Tov. So there is a shit of the Ramor who says in Simatovkirchis that you are allowed to move stuff on Yom Tov to avoid loss. But everyone else after the Ramor. They disagree, the Mogan of Rome, the Taz, the Alter Rebbe, etc., disagree. Well, so what says the loss? But that, that doesn't mean it's Tzorach Yom Tov. So there, but there is something, there is such an opinion. But I would like to look then, what would happen if we were on Shabbos? Of course, you don't do Shafer in the park on Shabbos, but what would happen if someone put some money in your pocket on Shabbos? What would you do now? So now the more likely scenario is if you had money in your pocket of your own from before Shabbos, you only realized on Shabbos. So there we have various options. And there is in Shechon this is in Simirei Samachvav. So he says, you wouldn't be allowed to bring it home, you Athura Goy. Instead, you'd loosen your money belt and the money belt will fall to the floor because it's muksa, you have to let it fall. And you tell a goy, please look after this for me. I'm not telling you where to, what, you know, where to take it, just look after it for me. And if the goy takes it and carries it with him, that's, I didn't tell him to, that's okay. 
Now, what I would say, therefore, to this shliach who's in the park and fortunately, unfortunately, got 200 euros stuffed into his pocket. Um, the likelihood is that amongst the people who came to Shreifun Park, there are also non-Jews. And ask one of them, do me a favor, I've got this 200 euros in my pocket, could you look after it for me until tonight? I'll come, I'll be in touch with you later. And then he takes, the guy takes it, and uh, afterwards you'll sort it out. Now, you might challenge me on that, because in Shuchan there's a difference between if you realize your own purse is on your, in your pocket or if you found a lost purse, not yours. Here they have the last, I'm quoting here, the same thing, which is a bit clearer over here, in the Mahaber, Motza Arniki Bishabs. If you are walking the street and you saw a, 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 a wallet, you're not allowed to take it, even though, meanwhile, someone else might take it, but you're not allowed to take it. So now... Is this so? Why is that? To protect the money which you already have in your pocket that you shouldn't have to forfeit it and lose it. There, you're allowed to ask a guy to look after it. But if it's uh, you, you, you saw it in the street, it's, you don't know you're not losing anything by walking away, so you wouldn't be allowed. So now, what's what is our case? So now, look, just so this is where the Mr. Bureau adds a bit of clarity. He says you wouldn't be allowed to take it. You cannot permit him doing something, you know, some loopholes because of the loss. Because it wasn't his yet. We're talking about to pick it, to, to be coiner. Who says you have to be coiner? Leave it. It's not yours. But in this case, when it's ready to be stuffed in his pocket, so he is being, has been coiner. Um, and therefore, it's justified to ask a goy to look after the money until after Yomit. Okay, let's move on. So we've got a Jewish man is interned in prison. And he fortunately was able to organize a sukkah. But he is only given permission to use that sukkah at night, not during the day. You know what? It's interesting because the Iker mitzvah of sukkah is the first night where you have to eat a chazayis in the sukkah, like you have to eat a chazayis of matzah, the first night of, of, of Pesach. So it, it's interesting how they gave him this choice rather than the other choice. His question is, what does he do for Kiddush during the day? Because normally Kiddush is with Mazonis, and he looks like he intends to manage the whole of Sukkot, other than those yomtov meals, to, to or when he's able to use the sukkah, whatever he's not in the sukkah, he'll eat potato chips, he'll eat uh, uh, whatever, can he have meat, he can have uh, vegetables, uh, or fruit, he'll have anything but hamoitzi and mazoitz, and he'll manage the whole of sukkahs that way. But for Kiddush, as the Kiddush Mokin so what does he do then for Kiddush? So the answer, the simple answer is that the din of Kiddush Mokin Suda, as this is from Sim Sim and Gimel. You can have, uh, you can also have a, a revius of wine. Besides the cost of the cup of Kiddush, or even you can even have the cup of Kiddush, a revius, that's already Kiddush Mimokim Suda. So the answer is very simple, that for Kiddush by day, he will have a glass of wine, that, a glass of grape juice, and that will be his Kiddush Mimokim Suda. And after that, he can have 
is whatever non-sukkah foods, non-sukkah non requirement foods um, for for his meal, that's, that would be okay. Um, I must tell you a little story. A, a Lubavitcher, uh, a friend of Lubavitcher lived in Manchester. He was somehow the victim of some bankruptcy and he was uh, at the grace of Her Majesty in one of Her, Her Majesty's prisons for a year or two. And it came before Sukkot. He actually chose uh, vocation in the prison as a gardener. And so before Sukkot, he got permission from the head warden of the garden, the gar gardening department, to, there's a space between the hedge and the building to put up a tiny sukkah there. And he got permission to also bring out some food at night and to sit under this sukkah, which is between the hedge and the wall. At the end of the seven days of sukkahs, he dismantles it and he says to his superior, to the supervisor, he says, you see, it's the, the, it's as it, there was like, there's no trace of it, uh, nothing there. And the Goetia supervisor says, for me, that spot will always be very, very special. He saw the, the Monsieur Snefesh that this uh, Yid had to have, a, to have a sukkah. So the Goetia said, that spot will always be very special to me. Coming back to the Nitzchias, the eternity of a mitzvah. Okay. I don't know whether I've, I don't think I've discussed this following question. Now, in the Machzer, over Yom Kippur, we have the Alchet in all eight or ten times. Depends on how you count it, because in the Ila, it's not the full Alchet, but we have Vidui ten times. Five times in our private Shemonesra and five times with the Chazam. It's four times in Chazar Sashat. By the night of Yom Kippur, we don't have Chazar Sashat, but we do have Slichas said together with the Chazan, and there the Alchet is said again. I'll forgive you if you never noticed this, but there is a difference. Sometimes the last paragraph, the Alchet, which is on the screen, sometimes it finishes off with Ki Atosol Chon Yisrael and sometimes it just finishes last as a cultivator. And so the intriguing, the curious mind is intrigued. Why is there a difference? Why does it sometimes finish this way, sometimes it finishes that way? Yeah. So I hope you are intrigued. And the, the answer is well, let's first read a background. We have, first of all, you, you can see the end of the bracha, the middle bracha of Yom Kippur, is Kiyata Solchonia, the same ending which is added over here, in the end of the longer um, version of the, the end of Alchet, that's the same words as the penultimate part of the bracha, of the middle, you know, the middle bracha of Shemana Yom Kippur. One point. But here we have a Bryce. In Yuma, Peizayin Omad Aleph talks about saying Vidu on Yom Kippur. It should be that in other words, to be kind of emptying out the garbage before Yom Kippur comes in, just before sunset. Chacham said, "Well, don't wait till the last minute because it could be that you'll have your Sudam of Sekes and you may have indulged in a bit more than uh, more food and drink. You might be." befuddled by the time it comes to sunset 
And therefore, you should say vidui before you have Yisudah Mavsefis. So that's what we do. We do Mincha mid-afternoon. We say vidui at Mincha. And then we go home to have Yisudah Mavsefis. Then he says, even though, says the Bryce, even though you said vidui before you ate at Mincha, but again, you should say vidui again just before sunset in case there was some slip-up during the meal. Then he says again, and even if you said vidui at Mairiv, you say vidui again at Shachris, and again at Musaf, and again at Mincha, and again at Mi. At what point do you say vidui? Says the Gemaiser, Yochid Achat Filos. And Yochid says it after his davening, Shliach Be'emsa. In the Chazan's davening, it's inserted in the middle. That's one. So that you have the brace. Then we have here the tour and simtofresai. Tells us the following that some people had the minute to say Borchato Hashem at the end of the video. At the end of the video, they would say Borchato Hashem Akela Solchon. Rav Amram Gorn objected to this, but he does say that in Kol Siduri Ashkenaz there would be a chasima. Okay, so now let's come back. So what we're seeing is that there was an earlier meaning at the end of Vidui to say Ki Atas Olchol Yisrael Amochni Shifti Yisrael B'Chol Devedim Mavodach Emanol Menach Vaselech Baruch Ato Hashem Akel Hasolchon. There was such a minute to finish off the vidui with Baruch Hashem, which means that that minute was instead of having seven brachas of Shmon Esra on Yom Kippur, you'd have an eighth bracha. Just after Baruch Hashem Hashem, you'd go into vidui and you'd finish off with an eighth bracha, Baruch Hashem Hokel HaSolchon. So the answer to our dilemma is whenever al is a is said by Yochid, and it's ending off our quiet Shemona Esra by So then it's going to finish off with this ending Kiato Solchon Yisrael till Melch Mitchon Selech, as if it's just about to say Borchat Hashem Mekel Solchon. That's when it's said by the Yochid in the end of at the end of his private Shemona Esra. When, uh, however, when we are joining in with the chazan in middle of the middle bracha, so then we'll say, we'll finish our last called We won't say this ending. Shortly after that, the chazan will finish off the middle bracha with the very same word. So there's no need for the tzibur to say ki atel solchon um, le yisrael because the chazan they, they are saying the vidui with the chazan. And the Chazan will say that subsequently. That is basically the answer. There are exceptions to this, um, but a bit more complicated. By Ne'il, it's a bit different. And the night of Yom Kippur. Um, but if someone wants, I've written this up. If you want to have an, the, the written up article, send me an email and I'll be happy to share it with you. But that's the basic th the difference if it's said by a yochid at the end of his own shonesra 
or if it's said in together with a chasm. Let's go on. What else do we have here? Um, right. I missed out on the list of questions. Question, that was number nine. Uh, number eight was a person asked me, a shliach asked me, they have a choice whether to do, invite people. Well, they have, they, either they'll come on the first night of Sukkot and they'll eat in the Sukkot, or they will come on Sunday and bench Lulav. Which one should be a priority? Now, a Chorah to eat in the Sukkot, the first night, especially the Mitzvah of to bench Lulav on the Sunday is going to be a Drabonon. However, my concern is, and my, I might be wrong in this assessment, but the likelihood is that these people are not going to come on foot. And to, if you invite them to come on Friday night, that means they're going to come by car, go by car, which is very questionable. And if they come on Sunday, even if they do come by car, that's going to be on a Yom Tov, and driving a car on Yom Tov would be a disadvantage. And therefore, I might be wrong, but I, I said I, I would opt for um, encouraging them to come on the Sunday. Finally, about a bit of feedback on rolling one's beard on Shabbos and the use of a bobby pin, which we discussed a couple of weeks ago. And thank you to Rabbi Moshe Wiener, uh, who has written a brilliant work called Hadras Ponim Zokin. It's published about 45 years ago, and he's published several editions since. And he uh, reached out to me, and he's written something about this. The... Uh, the, the, the rolling the, there seems to be a, a consensus about rolling the beard seems to be okay um that's not like making a plat for various various arguments about the use of a bobby pin so as i mentioned last time Chaim Noah says not to but others do take a more lenient position on this and and they're saying that that uh, it's not as if if that pin It'll fall out. It's not likely to fall out. It's there. It's for cosmetic reasons. And if it falls out, it's not going. To, you're going to carry it. It's, it's not an expensive item. And so some are uh, do allow using of, use of a bobby pin. And then there are some who are kind of sitting on the fence on this, and they don't give a clear header either or, or clear issue. Um, but I believe those who are used to rolling their beards generally do rely on the the uh dasa mikhilim but it's i guess it's informative to know that there are uh different opinions about it and uh, with that i wish you all a gemachasimatova shonatova masuka and we should have a year of good health and a year of geula tofshin peidala shedia a pidyoin just nafshena pod of a sholom nafshena with mashiach tzakeno mehrya 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 mehrya